0: Hello, I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, we speak to dairy farmer and AI technician Colm O'Connor to get a picture of how the breeding season has gone in 2022 and general breeding trends he observes while on the road. Colm started by outlining submission and conception rates in his cows and heifers.
1: Uh, I suppose overall, in my own head, this year I was very happy with uh, the performance. Um, my heifers done exceptionally well. There was a hundred percent of them AI'd in the first three weeks, and there was eighty-nine percent of them held to the first service. Um, and the cows, in I suppose, I wasn't as happy. Um, submission rate would have been, I suppose just on the 80% for the, the three weeks. But after the 25 or six days, then that had risen to uh, just about the 90%. So I suppose while I was a little bit disappointed after the three weeks, I once I kind of got up to the 90% in another couple of days, I was happy enough. Um, then I suppose as, as time went on, um, we did intervene. We... Um, we used a few cedars then on the, the cows that hadn't come in the next couple of days after that and we ended up with um, 100% served in the first six weeks. And look, overall things uh, turned out very well. Um, the conception rates uh, would have ended up very good. Um, after three weeks, I suppose, there was about 65% of the... The co-herd will say the main herd in calf, and after six weeks that had gone up to over 75%. And combining that in with 100% of the heifers in calf after six weeks, um, I would have been very happy.
0: And and on those heifers, you know, really exceptional numbers there, you know, 100% AI'd within the three weeks and, you know, a really, really high um, hold to the first service at 89%. Is that a normal figure for you or has it just been a really good year?
1: Um, I suppose I, w- I would say it's not a normal figure, but it's not unseen in the past. Um, last year would have been, I would have considered a poor year, even though we would have got maybe 75% in half to first service. Um, but I just thought that there was one repeating for no reason. Um, whereas this year, just they just seemed to go and things went well. Um, so, yeah, overall, I, wa- I was very happy with them. Um, you know, going back to years, I would have had other very successful years as well. So this year wasn't unforeseen. So, you know...
0: In relation then to the cow herd, you talked about maybe, you know, at day 25 to day 30, where those cows weren't in cycling, you intervened. Was yeah. there
1: anything you did pre-breeding? Uh, I suppose I would have been watching pre-breeding um, without taking an awful lot of notice. Um, but I would have, if I saw a cow, I'd have written her down, but I wouldn't have been, you know, for pre but I wouldn't have been going out of my way and putting effort into taking pre um anything I would I would have always walked through the cubicles at different times uh, as cows were calving and afterwards and any any hint of uh, a dirty discharge or anything like that, I would always have um washed out those cows if they were calved anything more than a couple of days that they should have been kinda of clean enough themselves. So, yeah. And looking at your six-week calving um, in-calf rate at
0: 75%, like it's bang on target. So that would suggest that, you know, the cows are, I suppose, highly fertile, you're AIing them at the right time. But from the perspective of, I suppose, that idea of, you know, I suppose cows not cycling and the need to intervene, would you change that next year? Would you do it earlier than you did it this year?
1: Uh, no, I suppose, even though you do, it does get cows served, I, I wouldn't be a huge fan of it. I'm not big into intervention. Um, I, I would always be aiming to try and have my cows in peak condition themselves without having to intervene afterwards. Um, so, no, um, I suppose I, I would do my best to have them all clean and cycling, but I, I wouldn't go intervening any earlier. Um, as to whether the cedars the justify their cost afterwards or not you know i would have cedar that i think it was eight or nine cows and i think of those eight or nine we'll say i think it was four would have kept to the to the first service so yeah look it probably does justify it but would they have come naturally themselves in the in the couple of days or in the week or 10 days who knows
0: I guess the temptation would be there if you had a much lower in calf rate um, more so column. Um, I suppose outside of your day job of running your own dairy farm you're also an AI technician. Um, I suppose the trends you've observed on your own farm do you see them similar to you know the the average farm that you're going out to AI'ing on a day to day basis during the breeding season?
1: Yeah I suppose they would be very similar overall. Um, look like that there are there are big variations within farms. You know, you have the exceptional farmer who is who is getting exceptional results almost very consistently. And look, there are also maybe the farmers that mightn't be as clued into heat detection and different things where they are going to miss the odd heat here and there and look if you're if you're not uh submitting them for AI the, the cow can't go in calf if she's not AI'd.
0: And weather this year, last um, the last breeding season in 2021, people talked a lot about the cold and wet weather and how that really affected expression of heat and submission rate and therefore in calf rate. You know, the warm weather this year, do you think that was of benefit to cows in terms of heat expression and,
1: and picking up heats? I suppose it, it, it probably was. I suppose, look, As an eye probably the day you see the busiest day is the mild, the very mild, damp morning. You know, that seems to be the day you'll really be busy, whether that's because cows show up, as in you can see a cow if she's all muck or whatever. But, um, no, like, I suppose definitely the cold weather last year, it definitely had an effect, not alone just on cows being submitted, but also for uh, conception rates afterwards. Um... As for this year, didn't like you had an exceptionally dry, um warm kind of season and you know, as things were tailing off, you were kinda of running into a drought situation where um definitely you had uh I suppose there, there was farmers coming under pressure, probably more so than the cows, because uh, the farmers were definitely jumping in and feeding on time which I think is something they might have learned from the drought of two or three years ago that they realized you have to feed your cows regardless of you know if you don't have it in the air you have to to bring it in and you know this year on my own farm i would definitely have seen my cows being i would say almost better fed than a normal year because they had access To grass when they went out in the mornings they had access to either zero grazing or silage as time went on uh, when they came in and also they would have been on five kgs a meal whereas other years they might have been on young grass only and maybe two kgs a meal so from my own point of view I, I, I would think my cows benefited nearly this year from the the way the season went. So, so you, you, what you're saying is
0: the, I suppose the drought which affected your farm meant that you had a consistent plane of nutrition across across the breeding season based on feeding the wedge.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, definitely like, I suppose, you know, feeding the wedge was a big thing because, you know, I suppose with new technologies like the grass measuring and all that in recent years, it does allow you to see more readily what what feed you have available and look if there is a deficit coming you can plan and you can you can feed to feed their, their requirements.
0: And, and to take it a step further then just to get some of your observations from being out on, on, on different farms across the breeding season I'd love to get your insight um, I suppose if, if I look back um, maybe 10 years ago I would say the majority of farmers would do some form of a uh, couple of weeks of AI and then a couple of weeks of the bull. And and let's say, let's call it 12 weeks, six of each. Um, You know, you know, is the breeding season changing as you see it on farms, you know, with the, I suppose, introduction of sex semen, the DBI and things like that?
1: Yeah, I suppose there was definitely this year, I would say, even more so than last year, there was a definite swing towards, um, Using more beef uh, bulls, um, I suppose you have a kind of a combination of things. You have uh, your fellows coming to their max number-wise, and they may not be looking for as many Friesian heifers, but also they're they're beginning to realize that their top cows are the cows they want to breed off of, and they're just not um, breeding off of the, the bottom 10, maybe 20, 25% of their herd which in other years would have been would almost have been a sin in some herds not to give everything a freesian for the first three to six weeks even.
0: And, and sex semen, is that something that you're observing on farms?
1: Uh, there is a small bit of it beginning to creep in. Um, I suppose I wouldn't have, um, have dealt with a lot of it this year. I did do uh, two herds. One, I suppose, would have kind of done mainly his heifers and he um he had straws left over so he actually picked out i think it was about 20 25% of his uh, better cows and synchronized him as well so he would have uh, he would have done them.
0: and as a technician is there uh, anything you're doing differently with that uh, sexed straw versus the conventional straw uh,
1: <laughs> i s- i suppose look there is a different um preparation for the straw and whatever but look i suppose as a technician we're trained to do things meticulously and make sure things are done right regardless of whether it is sexy semen or conventional um so no look probably not i would say that you just have to know exactly what to do the the lint of time your straw is tying for and all that so no um i suppose the biggest thing is you know you probably you know, with conventional semen, the, the way we work, like you can have a number of straws out at the one time and just make sure that the uh, temperature is uh, kept at a constant level, whereas with the sex semen straw, you are limited to only tying out one, maybe two straws max at a time.
0: In terms then of heifers, um, there has been a big movement towards fixed time AI from, a, I suppose, a labour efficiency around breeding perspective. Is that something that you're seeing on farms?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, look, I suppose the labour saver is the uh, is 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 the big thing with it, and I suppose also you have the the benefit of being guaranteed that you've hundred percent of your heifers AI'd uh in the at the very start of the breeding season so i think anyone that is aiing heifers now with of my own uh clients will say they are all going to fix time ai you do still have some that do just leave off the bull and they're happy out to do that that's the way they've done things and they're they're happy doing that but ones that are ai just find it so much easier um, from a labour point of view.
0: And, and obviously as as technician, it, it leads to very busy uh, days for you on, on those particular days. But let's look back at your own heifers and uh, come back to that. You know, you talk about they were all ai within three weeks. So, mm-hmm. you know, did you do a st- any sort of synchronisation
1: strategy and, and do you normally em- em- employ one on farm? I suppose... I, it wouldn't be a kind of a synchronization strategy. I call it. I'd um, I suppose I would be a bit quieter at the start of the breeding season, so it allows me to kind of give a small bit more time to my own pre-breeding. And I would actually be kind of keeping an eye on heifers for the a week before I would start breeding Just like that, I'd have the scratch cards on them, and if I saw them bullying, I'd write down their date and whatever. So with result in that, by the time I have a week of uh, observation and AI done with my heifers. I can also see what heifers were bullying in the week pre breeding. So I would I would give them a shot of uh PG to bring those ones forward a small bit so that they're not going over the three weeks and whatever. And that would mean then that kind of within the I suppose just around the 14, 15, 16 days I'd usually end up with most of my heifers AI'd.
0: And is there a temptation for you to move to fixed time AI or, you know, is it something that you're
1: resisting? I suppose the temptation is there, all right, but I suppose th- there's two things. One would be the cost side of it. There is a there is a big cost with it, but that doesn't really make me shy away from it. I suppose the big thing for me is uh, the thought of the aisle caving in the one couple of days when they're I know they're only spread out over fourteen days, but It's still still better to have them spread out over 14 days. Like, I'm practically on my own, we'll say, for the spring. I would have a student, but the student is off every weekend and, you know, it would be back to just myself um, calving them and, look, my wife and kids will be around all right at the weekend to to muck in and give a hand, but I just... (laughs) the The thought of the oil calving is just the reason i would be staying away from it for the moment and uh, especially i suppose i do get the results i'm getting without seeders so it's very hard to to go away from them results as well
0: and with the fixed time ai in heifers you know what is the expected repeat rate and you know if if people are doing that one day of ai and then they're letting the bull off you know what sort of i suppose
1: bull power do you need like you know based on repeat rates well I suppose expect expectation and it was a, a tricky one, uh, Emma Louise, because uh some farmers expect seventy, eighty percent of everything to go in calf and others would be more realistic that if you're a fixed timing AI look I, I, I would reckon myself if you do get sixty percent that you are um you you should be reasonably happy. You know, look, obviously you're always hoping for better and look if you do get seventy, seventy plus percent in, so be it. You know?
0: and the final thing then in terms of just to, to get your observations on what you're seeing on farms has the length of the breeding season changed at all like you know you do hear of some farmers with excellent fertility and they're able to pull it back below 12 weeks in terms of the amount of time they're breeding for so you know what are you seeing on farms and are you seeing farmers going shorter or longer in in cases
1: yeah i suppose I I do think every farmer is trying to shorten their breeding season. Um, Some, I suppose, are being more successful than others. Um, Like, if you you try to shorten your breeding season this year and you end up with what you would consider excessively high not-in-calf rates, the temptation is there to go back again the following year and maybe leave the bull in for an extra week, you know. So, it definitely does... Make a difference with fellas thinking how successful they are. I suppose the more successful you are, the more inclined you are to try and tighten it and tighten it and tighten it. But is everyone doing it? I would say probably not. Um, you, ha- you have some, fe- some people still sticking with there, some 13, some 15. There are others that there are 16, 18 week breeding seasons like. And to you, what's the ideal? I suppose... From my own point of view, I I would be trying to get as close to finished uh, calving to the first of April as I can, purely from the point of view that I am going out in the road as a technician. The fifteenth of April is kind of my start date out in the road, so I I would be trying to have all my calves sold by then. So the regulations are in place that you can sell a calf until ten days of age. So. In order for me then to be set up and organised, I do try and be finished for the first of April. So yeah, I would be trying to go as close to, um, maybe eleven week breeding season as I can. Um, but I I don't actually pull the bull. I leave the bull in, but I would I would still be very meticulous about keeping tail paint up to date and keeping an eye on cows coming bulling and. If I have enough, which I usually do, um, I end up selling the surplus cows as late calvers rather than not in calf.
0: And I suppose the temptation is if you have a down year where you know things aren't successful in terms of conception rates, you'll potentially be keeping those late calvers, column
1: Well, I suppose the temptation is there, but by and large, I, I'd be fairly ruthless because I suppose I just... I have to be so organised at home. When you're going out on the road and you're gone, you know I'm I'm left my yard in the morning at half seven. And at, for the first three weeks of the day, if I'm doing synchronisations and things, I'm 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 not going to be back before three half three. And there are days that I would have to get in a milker for my own herd because I wouldn't be back until half five six o'clock. So. There is no point in having coast calving when you're, when you're gone yourself. So there's
0: extra incentive and discipline there. Yeah,
1: um. yeah. You know, which maybe others mightn't have that incentive. But, you know, I, I do. I kind of, I have to stick to it. I suppose there is also side they're there as a backup plan. If things did go really bad, they are there. Or look, a fella never knows when he has a TB outbreak either. And that, that cover is there as well.
0: I suppose then if we if we I suppose to wrap up uh, column some observations for from you maybe the top two or three things you see farmers doing very well which promotes
1: good fertility and good in calf rates on farm I suppose uh, the number one thing I think farmers have improved on over the, the past number of years would be their tail painting and observation of tail paint um, there is more cows being submitted that farmers wouldn't be definite about um, but they are submitting them for AI rather than missing them they are going in Uh, so that definitely does um, lead to better uh, submission rates and consequently if if the cow has been bullying it does lead to better conception rates as well and I suppose as well as that I suppose fellas definitely are beginning to they know the cost of a cow not and calf now, whereas before they mightn't have really realised how much it was cost them every three weeks a cow slip. So they're making a conscious effort of, number one, making sure cows are clean. If they hold the cleaning, they're being treated, whether that be with antibiotics or with washouts. And I suppose also then they, they are conscious of feeding their cow properly during the AI season.
0: And just on that point you make about, you know, the cow they're submitting her um rather than missing her if you're 50-50 on a cow in your own yard are you submitting
1: her I probably am yeah I probably am you know but I suppose the fact that you keep tail paint really on, on top of your tail paint and you kind of know if if it's it's easier if you're the one person Doing the tail paint day in, day out, and you're the one person pulling out the cow's free eye because you'll almost know the dodgy one, if you know what I mean. Her tail paint might have been a bit rubbed just then, you'll say, Is she coming or is she not? And if that tail paint is still just a little bit rubbed the following day, you kind of know, Yeah, look, she mustn't have been doing anything. you know? So, and the final
0: thing, then, Colm, you know, I suppose. It's a long way to the calving season, you know, in, in some regards. You know, it's it, it seems a little bit um, of a hilarity to even ask. But from your perspective and, and your knowledge, is there anything in particular that a farmer can do between now and February to ensure cows hold the calf and they maintain a healthy pregnancy and end up with a healthy calf at the end of it?
1: Um, I, sp- I suppose the one thing I would see is a happy cow and a stress-free cow is the cow that really doesn't seem to uh, have any issues with embryo loss and things like that um, I think if you, even in a drought scenario, or in a, a non-drought scenario, if a cow has plenty of water out in the field and she's happy and she's not hungry look, if she's stress-free, by and large if, uh, if you're looking after your cows you'd be hoping for a successful season
0: that's a good note to finish on, Colm, and it's just wonderful to get your insight as a, as a dairy farmer, but also as a technician out on the ground, you know, seeing lots of different farms and, and their systems. Thank you, Colm. Thanks, Emma-Louise. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Colm O'Connor for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.